we would begin a series of sermons on prayer following the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us and with the help of the Heidelberg Catechism. And in Lord's Day 45, which is printed in the insert in your bulletin, we read of this instruction that the Heidelberg 400-year-old-plus catechism gives us, summarizing the biblical doctrine, when it asks, why is prayer necessary for Christians? That's a very important question, you know. As Reformed people, we believe in the sovereignty of God. He's absolutely God and King, and He rules over everything. Can't change His mind. You wouldn't want to, because His mind is good and perfect, and ours isn't. And so why is it necessary that we pray? We ask God for things that he knows already we have need of. Why is that necessary? Here's the answer. Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. You have here a requirement, something that's demanded of us as Christians. We're not just to be lazy and let God be God and let go and let God. There's something we're called to do, and that's pray. And moreover, God will give his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. So what belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? And first, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed himself in his word for all that he's commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. And third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he's promised us in his word. So we we believe that he's going to answer us. And Then the question is, what has God commanded us to ask him? And all the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. And then we have the Lord's Prayer, which I won't repeat, our Father who art in heaven. So there's a summary of the wonderful gift of prayer, its requirements, and there's a a uh, exposition then of the different elements of this prayer, and it's so rich and so important. And we want to take the perspective this morning from John in chapter 14. So let's turn to the Word of God here, which is the basis for all our instruction, of course. Jesus is <clears throat> discussing things in the quiet of an upper room <clears throat> where he has washed the, the the feet of the disciples, this is the night he's betrayed. There's a great irony in these things, the night Jesus is betrayed by Judas, and then the next day he's crucified. He has much to say before he goes away. And first, the first 21 verses is what we'll read, where Jesus says to the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And that's basically what he's saying here. Believe in me. I am the one God has sent. 
In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where you, I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? can't know the way if you don't know where he's going. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, for, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, <coughs> me, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Thus far we read this word of God from the perspective of, of Jesus' words, especially in verses 13 and 14, <clears throat> we would consider the subject of prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we are <clears throat> involved at this time. We need to be not just the preacher, but the hearer. In considering the great gift that God has given us of prayer, it always strikes me why, if it is the chief part of thankfulness, as the Catechism tells us, and it is, why then is the commandment, why are the commandments, the Ten Commandments, expounded first in the Catechism? And that's a typical order of the Catechisms or instruction books of the Reformation the law, and then prayer that follows it. Now, beloved, I would suggest to you that the order is, is not the important thing here, but that they are both included, law-keeping and 
and also prayer. As part and parcel of this whole wonderful life we have of thanksgiving, we show in our prayer life that we are God's. We show that our prayers are real and our love for God is real in keeping the commandments of God. And so we need to consider the chief part of our thankfulness. As we do that, another turn of the year, now the year of our Lord, 2023, we need to ask ourselves, will this year prayer be more important to us than ever before? I don't just say important to us, but more important to us. Here we are, and we constantly think of things of this time, and resolutions will go and improve. And so we need to consider, in this consideration of the most important thing in our life, prayer, how will it be that we are in prayer in this year? Shall we improve? Shall we not improve? Is there room for improvement? Is there room for an ordering of our life around prayer where before it wasn't? We were letting our boss order our lives, circumstance order our lives, and it wasn't prayer. Shall it be that we need to improve and make prayer the center? And I'm speaking here, beloved, of practical things, and I've known in my life as a Christian that have been very important. I used to think, no, it's not very important. We live a spiritual life, so you know how you pray isn't so important, your posture, <clears throat> so on. But it is important. The Bible is a, a book of reality. God with us on the ground, and we're on the ground. And so bending the knee may very well be what we need to do, improving our posture in prayer. There's all kinds of ways that people seek to improve. But also, another thing I've often pondered, praying first thing in the morning when you rise up and you greet the day and the dawn and the mercies of the Lord are again revealed to you to be new every morning. Prayer, the priority of prayer, needs to be shown, I would submit and commend to your attention very early in our day so that we don't forget God all the day and don't start our day with God. But those are details, and they're details, and basically, beloved, you work them out and I work them out, the details of our prayer life, as our faith is worked. And that's what Jesus is saying here as he's going away. He's calling for faith in the disciples, not an abstract faith, but a real faith in God, yes, revealed to them, facing them, talking to them in Jesus. So Jesus is going away, and he's urging the disciples to believe in him, that he's represented God all the time he's been here below, and that he's going to his Father. And he leaves them with one thing that he had not given them while he was with them. And the one thing is prayer in his name. Later on in John, chapter 16, 
Jesus will say, I've not taught you yet to pray in my name. But now I'm teaching you to pray in my name to the Father. There's something here about this transition from Jesus on the earth to heaven that has to do with his name and is given to the disciples to pray in his name. So in my name is the theme of this sermon. And this will shape everything about our consideration of prayer and our activity if it be in the name of Jesus that we pray or not. So we want to consider what that means, and we're going to delve into the truth of God's covenant of grace. And then we want to consider uh, the glory of this. And I'll be a, a bit vague here at this time. I want you to ponder what that glory will be. And then finally, that we might draw nearer and then we're back to where we started. Shall we not draw nearer to God this year, be better prayers? <clears throat> Jesus is leaving. He's going to heaven. And he's going to prepare mansions of glory. This has been, as John 14, a great comfort to all the people of God especially those who've lost loved ones. They've been told they only have so many um, hours and days. And they've been reminded by Jesus, I go to heaven. And there's mansions and glory there. Let not your heart be troubled. So he also... in a thousand ways in this wonderful discourse with his disciples. He would have them not be troubled. In fact, I wonder if this passage all by itself tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the great prophet who was called with all the prophets in Isaiah 40 to comfort ye, to comfort ye the people of God. Jesus is comforting the people of God. He speaks of another comforter who's going to come, an encourager, someone who enhances the life of the people of God who are so frail in their life, hanging on by a thread. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me at this point. And he wants, however, to assure them that life will continue on and even be better when he goes away from them. He will leave them not comfortless, but with his Holy Spirit. And he will leave them as well with prayer, a lifeline to heaven. And so he says repeatedly here in John 14 and 15 and 16, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. You still have communication with me and with the Father and that, he says, is key. <coughs> this is doing here, when he says, you're going to pray in my name, and that this is going to be an amazing conduit for you, an avenue where you can hear prayer, so that anything you ask will be given to you. I'll do it for you in my name. What he's alluding to is the relationship that is, people have with God. Prayer is fruit of that relationship. 
Prayer is this conversation of friends. Friends, servants, that's us, and the friends, sovereign, that's the king. And prayer is given so that God is heard by us and we are heard by, by him. And there's a communion. There's a communion of praise and we ask things of God and he, he gives us things. He gives us wisdom when he speaks to us. And this is called the covenant of grace. In fact, Jesus speaks of the fact of this covenant when he reminds the people in verse 11 that they are to believe him, that I am in the Father and the Father in me. And then he reminds them as well that at the day you will know that I am in the Father, verse 20, and also I will be loved, excuse me, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. That's verse 20. At that day, you'll know that I am in my Father. There's that relationship. But you have something to do with that fellowship. You're in me, and I in you. So Jesus is comparing the communion he has with his Father to our communion that we have with our Father in heaven. And that's what the covenant is all about. When God said to Abraham, I'm going to be your God and the God of your children, that's what he was saying. I am your God and you are my child. I love you. I draw near to you and you get to draw near to me and have a communion life with me. And so with David, the mercies of the covenant are celebrated. And the covenant is fulfilled in Jesus Christ and the unbreakable bond of friendship that he gives. Well, prayer is a fruit of that. And it's therefore to be remembered that prayer is a special gift for Christians. That's the first thing about praying in Jesus' name. That's what it means. When you pray in Jesus' name, you are praying as Christians. Unbelievers really can't pray. And God does not hear them. They don't pray in Jesus' name. Because they're not identifying with Jesus. And that's the the important thing about this praying in his name. We're identifying with Jesus. We are identified with him, by him. We are so identified with him and made not to be identical with, but united with him, that he says it's like this Union I have with my Father, you and me, and I and you, and I'm in my Father, and my Father's in me, and there's this wonderful communion that's going on here. This is what Jesus is saying he's establishing. And so it's this that is what it is to come in the name of Jesus. Not just outwardly. Not just, oh, I, I tag on in Jesus' name to my prayers, But there's an inward communion that's reflected in our saying this. And we don't even have to say in the name of Jesus every time. But in our meaning this, that's the point. When we call upon God, we're intending to come always as God's people for Jesus' sake. You know, that's what prayer is. That's what it is, this name of Jesus to us. In the name of Jesus, identifying with him, believing him, knowing that I'm a friend of God 
for Jesus' sake. And that's the second thing. We pray in Jesus' name because we believe he's the basis for our communion with God. That's very important. In the parable of the publican and the Pharisee in the temple, we learned that and we sang of that. The publican was knowing the only help he would ever receive from God was through his mercy. God be merciful to me, the sinner, he says literally. There's nobody else. I'm just a poor sinner. I'm not blaming my parents. I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody else, but I'm the sinner, and I need mercy. So to come to God in the name of Jesus is to be identified with Jesus, to want to be identified with him, who is the basis for all the mercies of God. We have no righteousness but in him. We don't plead the fifth. We don't plead this. We don't say there's an excuse here or there's an excuse there. We're saying, God, have sheer love to me. I don't deserve it, but you are the God of mercy. That I know. See how important that is. When we pray in Jesus' name, it's not about our claiming, making, making claims on God. We have the right. The president told us we have the right to life and to liberty and the pursuit of happiness and, and a thousand other benefits from uh, the God of the government. We have no rights. Little babies don't have any rights, not in themselves. None of us has rights. The most righteous among us has no rights except our rights be in Jesus. That's it. That's the gospel. There's a righteousness of God, a free gift of salvation based only on the substitute Jesus. He's made unto us righteousness. We're justified by faith in him. And the faith itself isn't what justifies, but the object of our faith, Jesus. That's the point. Praying in Jesus' name. That's the point, beloved, of living a life of thanks as Christians. We are those who say Jesus is mine, and he's mine all the way, from beginning to end. He has mercy on me. We're in church assembled together, and it's a church of the mercied. There's not one of us better than the other, deserves the front row, deserves the pulpit, deserves whatever. Except for hell, we don't get what we deserve, but we receive mercy from God. And then there is this third thing, of course, and and that is there's a life that follows in the name of Jesus Christ, We desire what Jesus desires. That's what we're saying. I'm wanting what Jesus desires. And we're living a life accordingly. (coughs) So, Jesus, we come to God, and we don't come to God and maybe to church, and on the way we quaff at uh, Nick Fink's or somewhere else and make sure we're, we're primed for worship by being primed at the pump in the bar. That would not be to come in the name of Jesus. That would be blasphemy. And beloved, this is something to remember here. 
And we're praying and when we're living the life in the name of Jesus, praying in the name of Jesus, we need to be consistent. And every place we go, every relationship we have, every decision we make needs to be saturated with our faith in Jesus and a holiness that becomes the children of God. How many people in the name of Jesus have done this and that and the other thing and then blasphemous in their behavior? So these things are very important for our being those who are the covenanted people. Is this something that describes you? Jesus, he says to the disciples, and they were showing their unbelief here, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Is that our experience? Is that our experience? Beloved, in the name of Jesus, we are so very important to call, uh, so very blessed to call upon God. You realize that? So that anything that we ask for shall indeed be given to us. Anything in his name, as long as it's in his name. As long as it's out of faith, that covenant communion, as long as we're trusting in the mercies of God, and then what's that other thing? As long as our faith is showing itself in a life that's consistent with our prayer, so we're being holy. See, there's many ways, and perhaps you've experienced this. You pray, and you pray, and you pray, and God doesn't answer. You pray for this, you pray for that, God doesn't answer. Why is it? could be because your life is not aligned up with God's will. And you're seeking to do something that God is not pleased with, but you're resisting his having his way in your life. You're resisting him. You're not listening to the still small voice of the, of the Spirit. Maybe you're listening to what other people say is, the, is good for you, and you should do this, and you should get a life this way. Oh, no. And that leads to this. Another thing that identifies Christians as those who are praying in the name of Jesus is that we love his word. We are those who live biblically according to the word of Jesus. The name and reputation of Jesus is found in this word. It's revealed there. So our catechism reminds us that requirements of prayer is that we call upon the one true God in him only as he's revealed in his word and that we find what his will is for us in the word of God. That's so very important. We believe in Jesus, believe in his word. Be a people of the Bible in this year. As you're praying, have the Bible open. It will enhance your prayer life. It will enrich you. It will teach you of Jesus and all the blessings of salvation in him. That's what this word is for, for our living, not just for our studying, but for our doing the Christian life. So the Bible, and that's with regard to everything. A mate, where, what's her name? Well, you might not say that in the Bible, but her qualities and his qualities, they will be delineated there. A job, 
Well, it's not said here that I should work at Steelcase necessarily, but there are principles that are laid out in the Word of God, and God gives you wisdom to apply the principles. And the Holy Spirit, who's called, uh, who's called from heaven to, that he might be the comforter in our life, he encourages us always in the Word. How do you know you have the Spirit, the Spirit of prayer? You know you have the Spirit of prayer, and you are praying in the name of Jesus when you're being biblical. And finally, the fifth thing I'd say praying in the name of Jesus is that you are one who takes this personally. That is, this prayer, the prayer of the Lord's Prayer, you make it your own. This name of Jesus, you say, that's the name I love. That's more precious to me than anything. Well, beloved, No one can force people to pray. No one can lead a Christian to water and make a Christian drink. May God give you the Holy Spirit so that in the name of Jesus, your prayers are characterized and your life is characterized as a Christian. Beloved, then I want to deal with this glory thing. And that is, glory is basically the what you see of a prayer life, what you see in your life, in my life, of the greatness of God. That's what it's about. Not the glory of men, but of the greatness of God. Children, we say the glory of the sun is its rays. And hopefully about April or so, we'll see the sun again in Michigan. And there'll be some warmth. And there'll be something that we know speaks of the heat of the sun and of the fact that it has life-giving power by God through the Son. And what we're doing as Christians is seeking to show off the glory of God. This is what it's all about. Jesus says, in fact, that we are to pray our Father in heaven. The first petition is, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be glory given to your name. Be it set aside above all uh, other names as the name that's the name of God. And so, of course, he's saying the same thing when he says, you pray in my name to the Father. And that's an astounding thing. He's claiming that divine, that divinity for himself, that identity as the one who's the way to the Father and who to see is, the, is to see the Father and so on. But this is for us, this glory. And this is where we need to understand that our prayer life is about glory. And it's about the glory of this. Jesus being known in our life. Notice here in verse 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What Jesus is saying here is that when I go away and I've done all these works, I've raised Lazarus from the dead, I've healed the sick, I've cured them of leprosy, I've walked on the water and so on. When I go away, you are going to do greater things than this. There's going to be a glory about your life and the greater things than this than I have done on the earth. 
is because you are the ones who pray to me. This is the connection here. You're going to pray with regard to seeing my glory and and being the, the workers of salvation, the doers of the word of God, and it's going to be done. Amazing. His people will have fruit in their life of the presence of Jesus. They loved this while he was living with them, that it was seen that he is this God with us by all these mighty works that he did and all the wisdom that he showed. And now they, in answer to prayer, were going to be given the things that would show that Jesus is still living. This seems to be very clearly the connection here. He's saying, you're going to ask for things, and I'm going to do the things you ask for, that the Father may be gloried. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then he says, before that, the works that I do, he will do also, the one who believes, and greater works than these he will do. What Jesus is doing here is showing there's a connection between our prayer life and praying in Jesus' name and his giving and our living. Showing by the works that we get to do. Showing by our praying, Father, hallowed be your name. I want to live as a Christian. I want to glorify you. And So be it, so be it. Oh, beloved, the uh, greater works than the ones that Jesus himself was doing while he was with the people are simply works that are done in his name, in the name of one who would soon go to the cross and then would rise again and be exalted to the right hand of God. That's the idea here. The greater works that God's people do, greater works than Jesus, are the works, in fact, that Jesus himself gives as answers to prayer and that show that he is risen. Notice how Jesus links uh, his, uh, these works that the people do with his going to his Father. Greater works than these will the believer do, because I go to my Father. That's the connection. Hang on to that. Why is it that when Jesus goes away, the church and all believers can do greater things than even when Jesus was here with the disciples at the first? Why? Exactly because Jesus goes to his Father. And Jesus goes to his Father through the cross and through his dying for sin and the Father's receiving his sacrifice and then receiving the Son back to glory. It's all because of where Jesus goes to get to the Father. He goes to hell. He pays the debt of sin. He satisfies the justice of God. He shows, he commends himself to all the world that he's the savior of sinners, that there's power in the blood. And now the Holy Spirit is sent down from heaven as the first gift the Savior receives to show his power and his glory 
that he's at the right hand of the Father now. And that's the connection. We pray, and we pray that we may be God's people aligned with his will and doing the works of God that we're called to do. That's our prayer. And the glory of the Son's death and resurrection and exaltation and coming again is seen, is seen. That's the glory here. The glory of the Son and of the Father, that he may be glorified in his Son. They're both seen. And the glory, of course, of the Holy Spirit. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they... They receive all the glory, the brightness of the Son of God, S-O-N, is seen in the shining every month of the year, in every season and in out. Glory. And here's an indication that our prayers are truly biblical and God-honoring, if our whole life is about, not ourselves, but about showing off Christ. (coughs) That's where we need to be very circumspect. Why are you praying for a new car? Why are you praying for an old car? Why are you praying for this or that? Does it have to do with the sun's going to glory and getting all the glory? Or is it just about you carrying on and doing your thing and establish your kingdom on earth? You're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be my name. Give me daily caviar and just leave over, leave off praying, forgive me my debts, I don't really have many. What's your prayer going to look like? The, the prayer articulated in the Lord's Prayer. What is our prayers, what do they look like every day? Does it have to do with our understanding that it is simply and profoundly and basically because the Son is going to the Father, going to death, will be approved of by the Father and that He's coming again that that's why we live and move and have our being, and that's why we are Christian, because of that mercy and that glory of the blood of the Lamb. We get that. That's the heart of it. So in our lives, Jesus is seen, and Jesus works through us, both the will and to do of his good pleasure, and to will and to pray of his good pleasure. So what will it be for us, beloved, <coughs> this year? How will we improve, final point? How, how will we improve here? I know I need to improve. How many books I have on prayer? I think I've said this before. It gets larger every year. Books on prayer. Too busy not to pray is one of them. The art of prayer is probably four or five others. Cultivating a prayer life, 
I'm sure those, there's books like that. Maybe you've read some of them. Maybe you're looking for some books. I can loan you some. But when will it be that we start praying instead of reading? When will it be that we will start reflecting in our life that we're not our own? We are truly God's. We belong to God. We're not of this world. This world has no taste to me. In this year of our Lord, 2023, when will that be? We're not so caught up in the things that we do and we're good at and we improve at and we're not spending time to be holy and assembling together to pray and loving to pray for all the saints, not just our preferred saints, and loving to pray about God's will being done and loving to pray even if it means we have to go and suffer You ever do that, dare to be thinking about praying, and then you put a limit on it right away. You you say in your mind somehow, and you hardly dare say it. You know it's hypocrisy. I'm going to pray, but only so far, and I don't want to have to give up this or that or this relationship or this job or this thing that's taking me away from the Lord's house on the Lord's day. You pray that way, beloved, don't do that. Don't do that. That's unbelief. Draw near to God, and even if, and it will be, the only thing between you and God is the cross and the blood of Jesus, and you're having to take up that cross and to follow Jesus, and for once to lose your life that you might gain it. That's what we need to hear. Christ crucified, and that known as sovereign grace. Christ crucified, known among the praying people, who do greater works even than Jesus was when he was on earth, because they come in the name of Jesus, and they believe that name, that matchless name, that wonderful, glorious person of the Son, our Savior. So let's give glory to God. Draw nearer to God this year than ever before, beloved, in the name of Jesus. And may God help you in your prayer life, and me too. Amen. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us with prayer lives. We're so weak, and... Our constitutions are weak and our spiritual constitution is weak and full of holes. You're God. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to pray. Give us to pray. Come away for seasons in our lives to pray. Regularly to pray. First thing to pray. And to know the answers to prayers. And in our life reflect that we're yours And that prayer itself is a work of Jesus, a great work. And that the life from heaven that he gives will not be denied, would flourish. Give us to be full of joy and of the Holy Ghost as we live this life of prayer. For Jesus' sake, 
we pray, and in his name, amen.